Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, brought to you by FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Redinson from Federal Baseball. I've got Doghouse on the line after the Nationals 4-2 win over the Miami Marlins here in Nationals Park, sitting over the field right now talking to you, Doghouse. And we'll start with Joe Ross. Just two relief appearances versus Miami before today. Trouble early, a leadoff triple by D. Gordon, a walk to Christian Yelich, and a one a single by Giancarlo Stanton to put the Marlins up one nothing early. But he settled in nicely, which is my favorite phrase in baseball. Five innings pitched on 72, 97 pitches after seven. Dusty Baker asked about the outing afterwards, that he did get off to a slow start, but when D. Gordon hit that opening pitch for a triple, sometimes he can ambush you like that. And then to hold them to one run, that's what I told Joe. You just learned damage control today. That could have turned into three or four run inning in the first, but damage control is a key, especially for a young pitcher. And after that, he was masterful. I wasn't watching. I was watching from way above it in the press box, but looking on the TV, how Joe Ross looked there once he got through that first. He looked pretty sharp, quite uh, quite frankly. There, I'm not going to lie. Uh, when he walked Yelich there, I was I was tearing my hair out and ready to throw stuff at the TV and positive that you know the Ross of last season was was a mirage and you know we we weren't going to get anything out of him. Why don't they just you know put Geo up there for goodness sakes? Um, but he settled in and had quite a nice outing. Uh, one run, seven innings, five Ks, two walks. Uh, good, uh, good life on the fastball. You know, he had uh, this nice tailing action where it would come back to the outside corner while it's looking like a ball. The the slider was on today. Uh, for the most part, after the first, he, he managed contact pretty well. Uh, got got some swinging strikes and uh, just looked really good. I I assume. Uh, and a lot of times I'm hesitant to talk about something that, that FP and Bob just won't shut up about during the game. But I assume we're also going to talk about uh, his controlling the run, running game and the battle with E. Gordon later on. Yeah, we got a nice quote from Dusty Baker on that. We'll get back to that in a couple of minutes. But uh, you can look up what inning that was since I don't have that written down while I go on to the next thing. Uh, Bryce, Harper, Bryce Harper versus Tom Kohler, 7-24, uh, five home runs against him so far in their respective careers, three in one game last season in May, if you remember, sitting on 99 home runs overall, 98 doubles for today. Adds to that double total, uh, ends up getting his 100th, but his 99th was an RBI double on the first to tie it up, just crushed a 2-1 curve from Kohler, bounced it off the fencing in front of the left field bullpen, one-to-one at that point, just missed the home run there. But we were going back and forth on the text uh, before today's game or during today's game about how important it's going to be having Anthony Rendon in that two spot after he was out most of last year, was missing time with all those injuries. But three for five today and having someone like him and maybe Ben Revere when he gets back, we'll talk about that in a second too, uh, getting on base in front of Harper is just going to be huge for him. And he really came through when they did today. Oh, absolutely. And, and if you look at that, I mean, not, notwithstanding that uh, Michael Taylor, excuse me, Michael A. Taylor, did get his first hit today, um, h- how much different would the game have been had it been Rendon batting first and Harper batting second? Which, you know, I'm, I'm going to come out again for the second in, what, three Nats Nightly podcasts to say that, uh, you know, this, this should be the preferred batting order. Uh, but it, you know, having them as a one-two, like we saw today, it could be extraordinarily useful to the Nats and, and worrying and, and vexing to the opposing pitcher, especially with uh, a reasonably healthy Zim in there and 
<laughs> who knew who he would turn out to be? Mr. OBP, Daniel Murphy. You know, even, even worth uh, is, is starting to wake up now. You know, he got a he got a hit. He got a walk today. He's got a couple walks before that. Uh, so we have the makings of it looks like a pretty good lineup after a, a little bit of uh, scuffling last game and maybe some uneven production against the Braves. Uh, Rendon and, and Harper is just the start potentially of, of something very good and, and very run producing over the course of the season. You mentioned the battle with Gordon before the Nationals took the lead late with the three-run seventh inning. Uh, D. Gordon singled to start the sixth. Marcelo Zuna struck out, so Gordon tried to advance himself there. Ends up getting caught stealing by Wilson Ramos, but uh, Dusty Baker gave a lot of the credit in that battle to Joe Ross. He said the game appears slow to Joe. He's 22, but he comes from a great family. His brother has been in pro ball for a while. He knows what he's doing. He's not intimidated by any situation. And the fact that he threw the ball so accurately to first, accurately to first base how many times have you seen guys pick guys pick guys off and throw a ball away? Uh, he just said that was great. And then Wilson Ramos threw one right on the money. D. Gordon is a hard out. That was a big play. You hate for D. Gordon to get on base, especially with none or one out, because this guy can wreak havoc on you. But they were able to shut him down there, Ross hold him there, and then Wilson Ramos throwing him out. A great base dealer, great runner on the base pads, but they were able to shut D. Gordon down then. And he worked around a walk to Christian Yelich afterwards, got a fly to right from Giancarlo Stan to get to that sixth inning when it looked like he could be in a little trouble. Yeah, that that was really a, a fantastic battle. You know, usually when we talk about a battle, you know, we're talking about pitcher and, and hitter and sort of the, the that game of wits and can you foul off a pitch? Can you outsmart him and get the swinging strike? You know, or, or will you get figured out and, and that, that ball gets hard hit? Here it's it's timing, it's throws over, it's holding on to the ball sometimes, trying to get someone to take a jab step. It's throwing fast sometimes to try and, you know, sneak something in there when they're not expecting it. Uh, and Gordon was kind of off balance for that whole at-bat there while, uh, while Ross was, was pitching to Ozuna. But the best part of that is that Ross struck Ozuna out. He, yeah. he made good pitches in spite of how long – he was holding the ball or varying his timing or the number of times he threw over, he made some just great pitches where he was painting the outside corner there. And how many times have we watched a Nats pitcher try to control the running game by throwing over, throwing over, and then either serving up a meatball or walking the guy that they're pitching to? Uh, I think that was really uh, shows a sort of a level of maturity in, in Ross's game that he was able to handle that while keeping his focus on the hitter and having success there. And Dusty Baker definitely agreed with you. And once he held them there, Nationals finally strike in the bottom of the seventh inning. Ross gets through seven and five hits, one run allowed, two walks, five Ks. Where's his pitch count down here a little bit? 97 pitches, 57 strikes, seven to three ground out to fly out. He gets through six, uh, six, uh, six and a half, bottom of the seventh, the National strike, as I mentioned, Anthony Rendon. Singles with one down. Don Mattingly starts going to the bullpen for the matchups. Chris Narvison comes on to face Harper, lefty versus lefty. Doubles to left field again just to crush the line drive out there. Sends Rendon around to third. Uh, Narvison walks Daniel Murphy. They get an Edwin Jackson versus Jason Worth matchup. Worth still struggling at the plate. Starts down 0-2, battles back to 2-2, and then goes out and gets the pitch and just dumps it into right field. RBI single there to put the Nats up. One out later, Clint Robinson, who got to start today, Dusty Baker's big boy, as he was calling him, comes through with a two-run <laughs> single to left field, but the Nats up 4-1, to one, ended up being all they needed. But 
really big at bat from Jason Worth there. You can, you see the Marlins were kind of maneuvering to get to him the way he's been not hitting so far this season, but he battled in that at bat, really made sure to get some wood on it and just dumped a single in right field that ended up putting it at the head. Well, you know, we always yell, come on, take it personally when, when we see that. And it's <laughs> going to happen enough times, you know, to people behind Harper uh, getting it behind Murphy. I, I think it's maybe a little more insulting, although, you know, given Murphy's recent, recent production, maybe he's he's the second bat on the team right now behind Harper. Uh, Worth has certainly been scuffling, and so you absolutely – when Murphy comes to the plate, we're shaking our heads thinking they're just going to walk him to get to Worth. But uh, Worth hung in there, and it was it was not the most beautiful hard-hit ball, but he has actually had a couple of hard-hit balls right at people so far this season. And that's that's just the the way the, the Babbitt gods choose to torment us here in the, here in the stands, is that they, they take away the hard hits and they, they give you the, the little dunker crud like this, but if you, you know, hang in there and make contact and don't strike out, sometimes the bad gods reward you, and, and that's what's uh, what worth us here. Let's let's hope this provides a little spark for him, and uh, he keeps keeps it up going forward. You know, he's also shown us that veteran batting eye already. He's drawn a few walks so far this season, so we know he can see the ball. He just uh, needs to keep making contact. After they take the lead, they bring on Blake Trennan in the eighth inning. I think he got a little bit lost in the shuffle with the big offense by them and then Papelbon giving up run in the ninth. But Trennan with a really nice nine-pitch, one-two-three inning. Uh, Dusty Baker, his favorite phrase, called him big time in that one. Said he's confident and they can really use that sinker late if he can go out there and retire batters, most importantly lefties, as we've discussed for a year now. But a really solid outing by Blake Trennan there. It might not get a lot of attention, but really Nationals get the lead. He goes out there and just shuts the Marlins down in a quick one, two, three frame. Yeah, we didn't even have time to get nervous, really. You know, I looked up and we're already <laughs> uh, already into the next inning here. That was uh, that was the sort of dominant outing that we know Trinan is capable of. He's He's got that enormous slider with that crazy movement on there. And if he can harness it enough so that it, – it, it's not moving so much that he can't throw a strike. Uh, we, we see the kind of dominance that we saw today. And frankly, it's almost enough to get lefties out too. But, uh, you know, we're, I'll, I'll, I'll still be a little nervous on that despite his performance today. But uh, Trinan is a big piece. Uh, between him and Rivero, I have, uh, I have tentatively warm feelings about uh, the Nats bullpen going forward, not just this season, but next two. Yeah, they did have a, I almost said it, whose name it was, but I'll keep that between myself and him. But we had a quick discussion afterwards about who could end up possibly closing if Jonathan Papelbon doesn't make it through the season. They suggested that it would end up being a Soriano situation where he stays with it for a while but struggles, and they eventually replace him in that role. And trying in Rivero and Trevor Gott, who didn't necessarily have a great spring, but has one of those arms that is going to end up in the back of the bullpen if he's successful, were the three that we threw out there. But, if you eventually have to replace Papelbon, who, who do you like out of those or any other options? Uh, honestly, I, I like Trinan and Rivero. You know, I, I, I see them as sort of the, the echo of uh, of the, the Yankees situation. You know, we've got a, a, a big, powerful righty who maybe with a little more work can get lefties out. We've got a big, powerful lefty 
who we know can get righties out, and we set him up as a, a bullpen that has got two high-leverage relief aces, not a closer. Of course, this also involves a, a change in philosophy of bullpen management. But you've got two guys who could, I think, both be the closer, and if you can mix and match in the late innings, depending on uh, the matchups, the strength and, uh, strengths and weaknesses of the lineup coming up, you know, who's fresh, I think that's potentially extraordinarily powerful. We're not kicking Papelbon out the door, though. He's got his third save of the year and three appearances so far. Uh, did get fall behind Christian Yelich with one out, gave up a home run on a 3-1 pitch, 88-mile-an-hour uh, 3-1 fastball, so I'm not too surprised that absolutely got crushed and if he wasn't a Marlin, I'd say I absolutely love Christian Yelich as a player. I love that left-handed swing he has, and he absolutely crushed that ball. But they end up getting a single, one out later, two-out single by Martin Prado, brings a tying run to the plate. But Avalon gets the ground out from Derek Dietrich, ends the game, earns his third save there. It is a little interesting, which, as we know, is a DC closer tradition, but eventually got the job done. Yeah, I, I think there's maybe a little bit too much of a parallel uh, here with with Rafael Soriano's first season, you know, we've got a guy who's had a lot of success in the past, but, you know, is, is clearly on, on the downhill side of his career still has a, a lot of experience that he can reach back to uh, a lot of knowledge of, of how to pitch and a lot of experience with high pressure situations. So he can deal with it without, without getting panicked, but just, doesn't have the stuff that he used to have even, you know, a, a year ago. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of interesting situations as the season goes on. You know, Papelbon's a guy who's, who's going to get his saves and he's going to have a lot of success, but he's going to be spending a lot more of his effort tricking people and outsmarting people, not overpowering them with, with blistering stuff with incredible movement. And I, I, I'm warning you now, Nats fans, there, there is going to be some game where he's going to come in with a three-run lead and he is going to get lit up and give up a grand slam or something like that. And it is going to be ugly, ugly, ugly. But uh, he, he will probably still save, you know, eight times out of ten. But uh, four or five of those eight are going to be nerve-wracking and, and those two that lose are just going to be heartbreaking. I will note there was a... Seems to me that we're going to support Papelbon anyway. People are starting to win out in the cheering versus booing battle that's going on out there. So it's interesting to hear the reaction to him. It was kind of quiet in the ninth inning there when he was out there. Maybe it wasn't a one-run game or as close as uh, until he gave up that home run. But level of indifference, I'd say, when he was on the mound, I found very interesting. <laughs> but before Progress. we get out of here, just touch on one note from the uh, – Pre-game stuff, Dusty Baker confirmed that Ben Revere had an MRI. We were waiting a couple of days on results for that with the Nationals off and then rained out. But he did say that it, uh, strained red oblique confirmed what they originally thought. Uh, at this stage, you don't have any timetable on it. We're treating it aggressively daily and just hope it heals soon. He also noted that Ben Revere is in great shape, so asked if it was a possibility he'd come back after that 15-day period, which goes back to the 5th. I kind of love his answer. He said, everything is a possibility when you're dealing with the unknown, <laughs> which is pretty much a great quote. But 
<laughs> he, he did also say that Ben, ben Revere is muscular, he's small, he's built like Mighty Mouse, so we just have to let the doctors and trainers take care of him and see if they can get him back soon. But we already discussed this a little bit. Michael Taylor uh, came through with a hit today, uh, one for five on the day, one strikeout. Doesn't look necessarily too great up there after a really dominant spring. I think not seeing as many fastballs as he was during the spring probably has a little bit to do with that, as we've mentioned. But if it's not going to be Rendon up top, they like Rendon in that two, Harper in three spot. I know Mark Zuckerman over at Masson suggested earlier this week that he moved Worth back up there where he did well a couple seasons ago. But until Revere comes back, do you think Dusty's going to keep running Michael Taylor out there or eventually move him down? If you move him down, too, I think you're putting some danger at the bottom of the order with Wilson Ramos, uh, Danny Espinosa, and Michael Taylor down there. There's a lot of Ks possibly at the back of the lineup, too. So it's kind of a tough spot right now. Well, if you got a lineup with a lot of Ks, where do you put your Ks? You know, group them together, you give people a free inning, put them at the top, you know, you get Rendon and Harper coming up with no one on base. And as we saw today, Harper coming up with people on base equals good things happening. So Revere is someone that the, the, the lineup is sorely missing right now because that that is more opportunity for Harper coming up with people on base. Um, I think I'm still inclined to say – put MAT lower in the order, get someone with a higher OBP up there because on average, get the people with the most ABP, the most ABs, if I can drop into a sentence completely of acronyms here. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's get our on base up in the order. You know what I'm saying? Matt win four to two today. Max Scherzer against Bud Norris again tomorrow. Uh, 705 start. They start a four game set with the Braves. Improved the three and one with the win today. Nats Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. Good to talk to you again and see you again this weekend, Doghouse. We'll see you again soon and talk to you again soon. That's it for Nats Nightly. Go Nats. Also go Nats. <laughs> and go Nats. Doghouse says. <laughs>